This is Man Down, the anti-man up movement with me, Jamie Clements. Join me as I speak to inspirational people from all walks of life about mental health, masculinity, vulnerability, and pretty much everything else. This is Man Down. I am incredibly proud to say that Man Down is brought to you in partnership with Better, a charity raising awareness around mental health and suicide prevention through a range of exciting events and initiatives. Please head over to www.better.org.uk, that's B-E-D-E-R, or find them on Instagram at better underscore UK. Today, I'm joined by Sam Barton. Sam's a brand strategy consultant working with brands across the world to help them move forward. And more recently, Sam works as a personal brand coach, working one-on-one with founders and musicians in industries where individuals can't help but be a brand to help them outline and develop their own personal brand strategy. So, Sam, thanks very much for joining me, mate. Um, there's one thing that I just picked up on actually from your, from your bio, just around your, your obsession with people and um sort of this this obsession you have with understanding how and why people think and act the way that they do can we just start there yeah totally i I think it's really interesting that that bio you just gave is obviously me me at work um but there's a lot more to it than that and the reason why i love what i do as a job is because i am at heart obsessed with people and branding marketing is all about people and trying to get under the way that people think mm-hmm. um so i come from a long line of people watchers mm-hmm. my dad is a photographer my sister is a director like i grew up just talking about people all the time watching them trying to understand basically dynamics in in kind of society and things like that we would just sit in cafes we would sit in restaurants we'd have a look at people and just really kind of get under the skin of that and yeah it, it's led me to 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 doing what i'm doing today i mean i, I studied politics and, and economics at uni but the whole thing there was about kind of rationality understanding why people make the decisions they do why they vote the way they do all that sort of thing and whether or not that is a a nature a nurture a learned behavior or just the kind of the role of society and media so i did a my kind of big study at university was on the masculinity of political leaders and whether or not it affects the way that young males vote. And that was when my kind of obsession with people and in particular masculinity really started, started to take off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think more recently I kind of, I was saying to you earlier that my obsession with people and it becoming obsession with masculinity and men, men are people that mm-hmm. that is a, a statement uh, that I will make and I think that understanding the way that they kind of think work interact and communicate is is far closer to me uh, I am I am male I consider myself male I growing up was a a boy who played rugby but on the other hand was uh, incredibly into theatre and and those don't always kind of go go hand in hand or at least not to society and the rest of my classmates um, I've also always been in touch with kind of my emotional side, um, able to talk about my feelings. My dad was a a big part of this growing up. I mean, he, I remember him once saying to me like, 
Sam, if you ever want to say anything to me that, that you don't think you can say to me, kind of meet your dad, just come home, say, Jules, I need to have a conversation with you and we can talk about anything and I won't judge you. I won't tell you off. I'm just, just here to listen. And I think that from a very young age instilled this, this understanding of that it was okay to talk about how I feel. And um, it's kind of gone from there. So I don't know if that's quite what you were asking about my obsession <laughs> with people, but that's where no. it started at least. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, um, yeah, a few people out there who, who might not have had that same sort of relationship with their fathers who are probably thinking, yeah, that, that, that sounds pretty nice. That sounds pretty good. Um, I also just wanted to touch on something that we, we've spoken about before. Um, but I know you mentioned over the last few years that you've lost lost a few friends, probably, you know, more than, well, no one wants to lose a friend, but, you know, it's it's quite rare to lose, you know, more, more than one in a short space of time. How, how has that impacted you? How has that impacted, you know, people around you, your friend groups? What, what impact have you seen on, on the people around you from, from those events? To be honest, Jamie, it's kind of a case of, and sadly, where do I start? So Mm -hmm. my first kind of interaction with suicide in particular was actually, I was 11. My, my dad's brother committed suicide. So I might've even been younger than 11. 2000 so however old I was in 2000 Mm -hmm. so at quite a young age for me um my uncle would have been what 30 just under 30 at the time so again fits right in that demographic of people who are most likely to commit suicide and I think at the time it was I didn't really understand it I I remember it's affected my dad and we can get on to the conversation about that later but it just means that sadly suicide was never something to me that was kind of unexpected or mm-hmm. that I didn't know about it wasn't it wasn't a shocking thing and that and that's not that's not nice to have experienced it at such a young age but it means I have a completely different view on it and, and feelings around it um as it as it as things have kind of started taking off more in the news in, in recent years but yeah, as you say in this in the space of about two years um it was a couple of years ago now um six of my mates died uh, not all of them from suicide uh i think it was about half the other half were mm-hmm. from natural or not natural causes that we don't we don't need to to go into but i think mm-hmm. the for me the one of the main the, one of the most poignant ones was um a guy from my my university and rugby club who who died after a night out mm-hmm. and we'd I'd been out with a bunch of the other guys from the rugby club. I'd, I'd not actually seen um, seen Huxley that evening, but he he died on his way home from a, a night out. And I think the the effect that that had on a lot of the other guys on, from the rugby club afterwards was huge and staggering. Obviously, I think partly the fact that you've all been out together and then suddenly it's not there anymore, um, but also just the fact that rugby is inherently and well not inherently is traditionally a very traditionally masculine sport um it's not always played by the most emotionally open of individuals or at least that's the kind of bravado and society norms that that go on in a rugby club and i think just seeing the way that it broke down a lot of people um was huge Mm -hmm. and so 
So, and, and since then, I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky to be part of, of this rugby club that now has kind of mental health support for, for people within it. Um, and everyone was so, so supportive afterwards. The guys that were closer to Tarkzy, the guys that were per, like further away from him, but just everyone really came together. Mm-hmm. And I think that was amazing. But for me, it reminded me that that's one rugby club in the UK and in the world in one country and there's just there's a a lot more people outside of that that don't get that same level of support um and that's kind of what where i've really been starting to think about it and i think the the combination of this the sport and 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 the mental health and the men's mental health is where i've really started to to think about it and i'm not uh november's slightly further away from the charities I've been working with, but I've done um, some ambassador work with is it My Manor, who yeah. are a gym in London, who I lo- absolutely love this. They they set up a whole host of event break talks with different, just different men from across across the country and across um, different sports and activities and ex army and kind of kind of ex army guys suffering with PTSD, other guys who I either had thought about committing suicide or had people close to them committing suicide I and mean, just opening up the conversation and I think that little bit there of opening up the conversation is where I really have started to kind of focus my attention and focus my energy because it's really important to talk um, and actually for me where I really focus is actually listening mm-hmm. so it, it's yes it's important to talk but it's more important to listen um, with my job, you said, obviously I'm a brand consultant. Um, it means I do a lot of research and I do a lot of research with normal people. And it means that I have to listen a lot. And it's amazing seeing just in life, the number of people that can't actually listen. And I think opening up about mental health, opening up about struggles, opening up about worrying, opening up about anything can be a really difficult thing to do for a lot of people, but also a lot of guys. It's not not what they traditionally do um and it's made a lot harder when people can't listen or if you're afraid of people not listening mm-hmm. and so that's yeah that's where i put my energy is and actually not necessarily always with the individuals themselves who are struggling but with those people either closest to them or surrounding them and helping them just kind of yeah create those safe spaces to to give a bit more support yeah, no, absolutely. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's it's one thing starting the conversation, but once it's started, there have to be people there to listen and to get people talking openly and to keep them talking, then there has to be a sense that someone is actually there listening. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. I think one thing around what you said about the rugby club and sort of the impact it had on people is very similar to, to my friendship group after we, we lost a friend's suicide last year. And um, it's something that I certainly realized, but something that I've seen more and more and more is that it seems to really at the moment only be when people have tragedy or trauma or vulnerability thrust upon them, not out of any choice of their own, that they're willing to then open up and they feel like they almost have no other choice. And it was something that really struck me with the video that Danny Cipriani put out last year after Caroline, or even this year um, after Caroline Flack passed away. And it was just the frustration and the anger 
in his voice, in his face, being like, it's come to this. Like he didn't know, he didn't really know why he was doing this video, but he felt that he, he felt compelled to do it. He was sat there going, we've got no other choice. Like I have to do this. I have to speak and I have to speak openly and vulnerably and cry and be that raw to try and get this message across. But it's only really taken that trauma to then bring that out of people. Um, so I think trying to figure out where I was going with that, but I think, um, yeah, it's just something that, that I've realized around vulnerability and just feeling like, how can we get people there without the trauma? How can we get guys? How can we get people speaking openly, getting comfortable with vulnerability before they experience that level of trauma? Yeah, it's, I'm not, I'm not expecting a cure. No, I, I mean, that's a big part of it is that is, is trying, trying to fix things can be just as problematic as, as kind of talking about it in the first place. Right. Um, mm. Especially when it comes to listening and that, that is, that's one of the things I always kind of talk about and, and, and think about is actually when, when you are creating those spaces to listen, not trying to fix people's problems. Mm -hmm. um, but, trying to support them as much as possible other than that tangent yeah the kind of hindsight at the moment is a is a really big issue and i think my i know my my group of friends from school we did have one of our mates committed suicide a couple of years ago and just the, the change in everyone since then and how much closer everyone is and checking in on people's mental health and everything like that it's it is always a step too late. And at the moment, at the moment, I think we're on the cusp of being able to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Ch like kind of change is coming. Um, but it, we can only do it by talking about it more and kind of promoting this conversation. Yeah. Um, you see some amazing work from celebrities and, and people like that working with some of the big charities. Also just some amazing work from the charities themselves, getting the message out there. Uh, I think I saw a campaign the other day about, yeah, knowing who your friends are, which is a, a really strong message. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, all, all we can do is talk more and whether or not it's talking about change or talking about changing things, um, that's, that's kind of, kind of what's next. And until this generation does that and we kind of have a, a majority swing, and mm. it passes on to the next generation. I've just been reading a really good book called um, "What Do We Teach Our What Do We Teach Our Sons?" or "What We're Teaching Our Sons." Yeah, uh, which is really interesting, but it, it's still probably not far enough. The some of the, some of the lessons in there, and I think that just going going that extra mile and and having more conversations, and we're in a. There are so many negatives to social media that people will talk about routinely. And I think um, the one, the Caroline Flack situation is, is part of that and, and the media, but there's also a lot of power there and using social media for, for good is, is something we all should be doing more. Um, I was reading about not, not cutting down on social media, but using social media better. Yeah. Um, and this kind of trend for stop following in kind of, influences and things like that that might affect your body dysmorphia or your mental health or anything like that and actually going for those who are promoting positive messages and 
if those messages are about mental health even better yeah um but yeah and so i mean myself i've done and gone through a complete swing i am incredibly into fitness but for just following a, a bunch of guys with six packs is not really doing it for me at the moment and so yeah moving on to 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 mental health and and some really good charities and things like that is a really strong way of doing it yeah for sure um and coming i guess coming back to something that's sort of underpinned what we've talked about so far just around masculinity and the impact that that can have on and that that has had on mental health where where do you think we are at the moment obviously over the last few years there has been change we've we've you know i can't remember the last time i heard someone use the, the term banter seriously i think it's kind of come come out of mainstream language and you know those sort of little bits of masculinity and toxic masculinity that used to be passed off as just part of, of being a guy where where do you think we are now and then maybe after that we can have a think and a chat about about the future and, and where we see things going yeah totally i mean personally i like i said i've come from a come from this sporting background where my other activities weren't considered quite so masculine even to other school kids and i remember kind of my dad always my dad who like i said huge hugely supportive and emotionally open would kind of say to me like are you sure like are they bullying you or are they teasing you is it is it just them being kind of mates and giving you a ribbing or um are you are you too sensitive and i think that that even instilled at me that at kind of that age and i am so open and emotionally available within my own head that that maybe i was being too sensitive maybe i needed to man up a little for mm-hmm. um using the language that the other boys would use which i think is a really sad place to be um and that's coming coming from myself who did have this very open upbringing and i think for a lot of guys who who didn't have that all they know is is that yeah kind of school school field playground banter which is just so so totally upsetting i remember i, I remember thinking like are these guys actually my friends mm. if all they do is tease me and that's a re- like that's a that's a really horrible place to be when actually yeah. you're you're brought up thinking that friendships between people and especially between guys is is built on teasing breaking down and not building up um i've one of my best mates now who everything everything we talk about really is about mental health and we we both really helped each other i think in kind of opening up and i've he was not someone that spoke about emotion ever before being friends with me and i think we've kind of built a system now to to understand when we both need to say something how to help us kind of get below that that threshold of keeping this inside and then opening up and sharing it and mm-hmm. i know when he needs to talk and he know he knows how to to let me talk and the one thing we always call each other up on is if that kind of banter comes out or the the ribbing or the kind of joking bullying that we might have been brought up on but there isn't actually space for in our relationship and our friendship and and so now when that does happen we're both very upfront with each other and kind of like mm, come on now everything everything we talk about is against this that that's mm. probably a bit too far and i think that's the only thing that we can do now is start calling people up on it 
if you are out with your mates and someone is saying something that you think is is just going to make someone else feel bad call them out on it yeah because we're it's not just about ourselves you might think that you might be mentally healthy you might be totally okay with who you are and how you are but not everyone is and so just keep an eye out i think on that we we obviously had our talk about a month ago and harry was saying um about (sighs) harry was saying about the campaign to to really get behind your friends and know who your friends are and i think that's really just powerful and the more that we can talk about that as well especially is it's going to be really useful going forwards Mm -hmm. because it's it's just nice to be nice and i think that it's a very simple sentence to say and and to live it is is quite simple too. just make the nice decision yeah be a nice human and this is when we get on to it's not just it's not just about being masculine or, or not it's about being human and um yeah we can talk about that more in a second if you like yeah I, what i was just about to come on to i think it's um something we we share a lot of <laughs> share a pretty common opinion on um so just for for people listening um we've spoken a, a couple of times in the past just around this notion of gender this notion of masculinity and femininity um there was something we spoke about a few weeks ago around it was actually myself that brought up this notion of of the gray man so in traditional masculinity you have these traits that are associated with that like courage power strength whatever you you know the score and at the other end of the spectrum if we're viewing it as a a spectrum you have traditional femininity which is being emotional being more sensitive uh, being more open and i think this deconstruction over the, the last few years that has been necessary of certain elements of toxic masculinity has made a lot of men out there feel uncomfortable and not feel like they can sit in that end of that spectrum but they've also been raised so that they actually can't sit at the other end of the spectrum either because they don't know how to express their emotions they don't feel comfortable doing that they don't feel comfortable being sensitive so it's kind of my my notion was that we've been left with men who are now sat somewhere in the middle this this gray area where they can't quite express their emotions they can't quite feel how they want to feel or they don't feel comfortable doing so but they also don't feel like they can be a man in inverted commas um so something that we touched on a few weeks ago and yeah something that you just brought up there just around the nature of i suppose looking at personality and gender and how those two mesh and how they are overlapping at the moment and maybe perhaps they they shouldn't be yeah i mean so there's this there's a study called the bem sex role inventory that took hundreds if not thousands of actions and traits and effectively gendered them um got they asked respondents to score whether or not they were kind of feminine traits or actions masculine feminine traits or, or neutral and there is a annoyingly everything came up as either masculine or feminine there were very few neutral traits cho- um, traits chosen and and that's just something that i i personally want to move away from i don't we shouldn't be talking about are you more masculine because you're strong or you're loud or you're 
well, to be honest, if you're aggressive or like there's, there's positive and negative traits that are put towards being feminine and there, are, and there are positive and negative traits that are put towards being masculine. And at the end of the day, there are human traits and when used in certain ways, they can be incredibly positive. And when used in certain ways, they can be very negative, but they are human and they are nothing to do with gender. And the, the more society talks about them being gendered, the more that, that dialogue is going to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, this, this, this notion of the gray man, I find very, very interesting for a number of different reasons. And I think it's, it's the case when it comes to, quite honestly, when it comes to feminism, you have your, your gray man who is stuck somewhere in the middle who is not at either end of the spectrum. They are not the person talking out and they're also not the person who is the, the cause of the issue. They are the person who doesn't really know why this, why this kind of conversation is going on at the moment because they're somewhere in the middle. They're not, they're not thinking about it and they're also not, yeah, one of the perpetrators. And then when it comes to masculinity as well, it's exactly the same story. They're not those at the toxic masculine end of the spectrum and they're not they're not really those who are kind of having the conversation either again it's just it's your 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 average guy on the street who is a bit stuck in the middle Mm -hmm. um feeling society imposing old rules of masculinity as well as feeling the new conversation that's coming and just a, a bit stuck and a bit in limbo and i think they're yeah uh, it's a it's a very interesting um, notion to to kind of continue with, and I think you have it. There's this this kind of conversation that I keep having in my head, ironically, about masculinity that I think is really really interesting, and it's the difference between thinking about yourself and kind of men. I've used the word traditionally a hundred times in this conversation, but traditionally men like to fix things. That is like, that's what men, that is a very masculine trait. You can't see the inverted commas, but it is a very masculine trait. They don't like to appear weak. They like to fix things. Like you say, they don't like to appear vulnerable. And as such, they have these conversations in their head and try and fix things themselves. They don't talk them out kind of goes round around it doesn't get anywhere and sadly that is often the route that ends in in quite a severe decision um but that same trait can be just as bad when it is spoken out and this is when i bring it back to listening and learning to listen and when having these conversations this this want to fix things or this want to not appear weak can really play like come into effect in those conversations as well you and i are different we are currently having a conversation with each other about opening up about it being vulnerable i'm pretty sure i'd be quite comfortable crying on this call right now if if the case came up but a lot of people aren't and i think that just getting getting beyond that not wanting to lose face not wanting to show weakness being able to be vulnerable is really is really important and we need to start we need to start teaching people at younger but we also need to let society know now that that things have changed because so there's this line in um 
in this book I've just been reading on on what we're teaching our sons saying that we're kind of we're teaching our sons that it's okay to cry that crying is a good thing that to show emotion is a good thing and they ask us but I've never seen you cry and we tell them I we cried when when you were born when we had you we cried for weeks afterwards but you've still never seen us cry and we would do whatever we could to have that feeling but it's just not there and I think that's a really the mess or well, the message that I take from that is that it's, it's not good enough to just teach people and say it we have to do it we have to live it we have to believe it so bringing up the next generation telling them to just be people and support but like people as people no matter who you are every person is right because they are them it's their truth their their life is their truth and I think to do that properly you have to live it and there can't be kind of any one foot in one foot out we just have we have to we have to keep moving forwards with it yeah absolutely I think yeah Show, showing the showing the way rather than just uh telling people how to how to do it it's definitely yeah. the way forward and interesting something just came to mind when you were talking there about you know men trying to fix things and always have the answer i think it's definitely something i i know i'm 100 guilty of at times is just being comfortable saying that you don't know and when it comes to conversations around things like feminism and gender and masculinity and things that are new to you a lot of people myself included in the past have I've been very reluctant to be like I, I, I don't I don't have an answer what what should I do here and that again is it's not I guess vulnerability in the sense that we've talked about you know emotions and, and crying but it's still that element of vulnerability to be able to say I don't have all the answers and there is that that element of not a hero complex necessarily but just that masculinity fixer need to need to know the answers need to be able to give people the answers otherwise i'm not a man inverted commas again um yeah it's just I, it's something that has has crept in over time and and it's really difficult to get away from because it's almost become embedded if you're raised like that you're you're going to have a tough time getting out of it so it's just about building those good habits and seeing them in other people as well yeah, and I think, I mean, we, we talk about toxic masculinity a lot. Um, and that, and I think a lot of the time that's really aimed at men versus men. And I think it, if we can kind of take it a step further and just look at society versus men, that's where things need to change. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry that is a complete tangent to what you just were saying about oh, okay. not being not trying to fix things it just, it just it just sparked this thought about yeah toxic masculinity and, and and what's and what's next um and where where that kind of conversation is going and i think we all need to be we all need to be okay with change and and like you say not not knowing and i think a lot of the way i the reason i got to this thought was because of men putting on pressure um putting pressure on themselves to know the answer and to be the leader and there is that kind of feeling amongst men that you do have to be the one showing the way you do have to be the one leading you do have to be the breadwinner you do have to be doing the right thing in every situation and i think the amount of pressure we put on ourselves as individuals 
to fulfill that role is huge. But I think it's also the case that other people put that put that on us too. And I think men and women and just people as a whole should be putting less pressure on people to live up to the kind of the norms, the societal norms, the um, stereotypes, all those sorts of things, whoever you are, and just kind of accepting that that people are people and they need to they need to do what's right or what they can and as long as we all try to be good people rather than good men or good women or good leaders or good masculine individuals or whatever it is and just be good people then then society will get a lot further and hopefully we won't be having this conversation in in a couple of years time about friends that have just recently committed suicide because yeah. of mental health issues yeah absolutely and it's something um that I've become increasingly passionate about over the last few months is just around conditioning and sort of societal conditioning and helping people become aware of the ways that they have been conditioned because we it's happened to all of us and a lot of us don't realize it and there are things that I've definitely things that I've been conditioned towards that I probably am still not that aware of and so people quite often take that conditioning for truth they take it as gospel it's like that's not, you know, that's not masculine or that person's not a woman. Like just, there are so many areas of life where we've been conditioned and it's, it's really hard to break from that. But the first step is sort of gaining that awareness and that understanding. And then you can be like, right, okay, what does good actually look like? What does good feel like? What, what are these people doing that, that I want to emulate? And I think that's where we'll start to make progress when people realize that we've been pushed in a certain direction but that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be has to be the truth right yeah and awareness awareness just is the first step right yeah the more that we can have conversation like this the more that there are articles in the news the more that things are shared on social media the more times your friend texts you and asks you how are you doing mm-hmm. and you actually sit there and you question and you ask yourself how am i doing that that self-awareness and the awareness of of it as a whole is is huge yeah for sure and i suppose in terms of your own personal mental health i know we've we've touched on it and i think it's quite not necessarily rare but a lot of the people in in the mental health space tend to come from a a place of of personal struggle and i think you you, you've been very open about the fact that for you that's not 100 percent the case you know you've you've come to this from a slightly different direction but where you know how do you manage your mental health you know it's obviously something you are aware of and that you're you're well versed in so from day to day you know no one is kind of no one's safe not to not to scare people but no one is sort of immune to to mental health problems um so what what's what tips what tricks what helps you day-to-day manage your mental health totally and i think i go back to my last point around self-awareness self-awareness is really key here and i think I'm still learning and I'm still trying and I'm still trying out different things, but learning, learning what's working for me and what doesn't work for me is, is massive. Um, I'm, my girlfriend is a, is a kind of, um, a positivity coach. If that is the correct expression, I might get told off that one later, but she works with a, 
and helps people yeah with their kind of positivity and then putting on a positive mindset and sometimes sometimes that works for me too um and the kind of working with affirmations and morning routines and things like that other times for, for me the thing that i get the biggest kick out of in life is helping other people and i know that when the more i'm helping other people then the more i feel like i'm helping other people um or helping other people be the be be the them that they need to be that's when i i feel most kind of mentally strong and then good about myself actually it's the times when i feel like i'm not doing anything and i'm just going day to day and living in a monotony without that connection with other people that's when i that's when i know that i'm struggling but as a yeah as a as a kid growing up i remember saying that i was kind of playing rugby was a really good way of getting any anger out or any any issues like that and it always made me feel better because i could go on to go onto a pitch feeling angry at being called gay again or being teased for being fat or whatever it was that i was kind of going through at the time and i'd come off the pitch having forgot about it because you can't not once you've run into people 30 times for an hour but and that has progressed into i i keep myself healthy like going to the going to the gym for me is a kind of an hour or a 35 minute slot every day that i have for me and i i love going by myself i love kind of putting some headphones in ignoring the world outside and just getting that getting that me time and i think me time is really important um and it's something that as the world speeds up and communication is just everywhere it's something that we we often forget to do you kind of find yourself waking up in bed and checking your checking your mobile or your instagram or your emails or whatever from bed and and before you go to bed and that's a really really dangerous place to be um lockdown for me actually has been an interesting one where uh for about two weeks i found myself waking up getting out of bed sitting straight at my desk in the morning working kind of getting off the computer sitting at, in front of the tv on the sofa and then getting into bed and it was just this two-week period and there was some training in there somewhere but it was just so much screen time that actually my yeah i just i felt over over switched on i think and, and just breaking up that cycle and getting away from it and going for a walk or, or things like that can be really important um the i think i think we had this conversation last time and it's it's about what 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 works for you and yeah for, for me it's always been a bit of a learning process and a change and i don't have a specific structure in fact structure for me is the worst thing i could possibly have in life um as my personality goes i need to change and i need it to be pretty constant so doing different things and and keeping moving forward is is what really gets me and i think when i when i get stuck in a rut or i feel like things aren't going anywhere that's when i actually have to sit down and, and start questioning how am i feeling mm. um yeah my but my journey into specific like thinking about mental health in particular has has just been from seeing people around me and i think like i said i like to help people but i've also learned that helping people doesn't mean fixing things for them and that that's a big it's a big learning on my part and comes from comes from personal experience and experience with others and observing those around me who are either doing similar things or or going through things themselves and actually seeing and really trying to understand what works 
so it's got me to a point now that yeah like I said I've got a guy I'm working with who is also happens to be a very good friend but it, it we the, com- the friendship and conversation started from a mental health point of view um and that that's kind of grown into that we have a yeah, structure a system in place and I know how to get to get him to open up and he knows he has to listen to me ramble for three and a half hours before I'm likely to say anything remotely relating to to my own mental health but it's a but yeah we, we kind of it's about learning what you need and what what others around you need to yeah absolutely no I think you've you touched on some good stuff there especially around so just giving yourself permission to to feel all of your feelings it's, it's a bit of a cliche nowadays but i think it's important just to be like whatever that emotion is there's no right or wrong like what you're feeling is is what you should be feeling so just process it deal with it however however you can in a healthy way and then and then move forward um yeah i think so, <laughs> just just to that point like there, yeah. there is no such thing as a wrong feeling but what's really interesting is only you only you can make you feel something mm-hmm. it's kind of like no matter what is happening around you your feeling is yours to control and i think that's a that was a really interesting learning for me i can decide to react or respond to a situation i can decide to feel upset i can decide to feel happy i can decide what my feeling is and it's about and like having that conversation with myself rather than just giving in to reaction is a really important learning yeah yeah and I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you made that point because that's one of my my biggest learnings for me was I was reading this book um it's about the, like the principles of yoga and it talked about uh responsibility and sort of the pure origin of responsibility meaning the ability to respond and how people often feel extremely passive to their emotions and I am just feeling this like there's no gap between you know the experience and the emotion like it's just sort of something bad happens i feel shit whereas actually there's there's much more in it than that and we all have the ability to respond to a trigger to a situation however we want to and once you can start to practice that it's, it's not easy like you and i both we're not sitting here saying it's it's something that's can, can change overnight but once you start to get yourself into those thinking habits and thinking patterns and and see that you do have that that ability to respond however you want to to a certain trigger you start to feel so much more in control and feeling in control of your life is a massive part of then feeling like you have purpose and feeling like you can actually take back some power over how you're feeling and and the situation that you find yourself in so on on that note um there's just a, a couple of questions that i i always like to end on just some i guess some more traditional interview type questions um so I think one that I would love to ask you is just so picture yourself central London Piccadilly Circus big billboards up in front of you and you've been given the keys to put whatever you want on one of those billboards it can be a quote a picture whatever what would you what would you pick what would you want to have up there for people to see it's a really good question this podcast is going to be the longest one you've ever had to put together, isn't it? Because mm. I'm just going, <laughs> going hey, from gonna... everywhere to tangent to tangent. I'll um, edit out the gaps. It's fine. <laughs> oh, perfect. Good. Right. I think, yeah, if I was looking up and there was this billboard in front of me, what would I want to see? And is this a message from me or just for everyone? 
a message to other people okay i think one of the most important things uh that i read is is about smiling at yourself every day and i think yeah just i want a big plain white screen black text just saying smile more mm -hmm. so i think it's a really important learning for all of us no matter and no matter what you take from that and how it makes you feel smiling more is just such a powerful mechanism that we all have, that a lot of us have at our disposal yeah and it's an internal feeling and it's about smiling truthfully so either smile more yeah or just a sentence saying listen to listen don't listen to respond which is one of my kind of like life mottos and teachings that mm -hmm. i think is really really key yeah just with everything yeah so people spend a lot of time listening getting excited about their next chance to speak it's like oh what am i going to say i can't wait to respond yeah. to this um when really if you actually want to listen it's just about hearing what people are saying um so yeah definitely a good takeaway and then we've touched on a few sort of nameless books that we, we've learned a lot from but if you had to recommend a book to to people listening at the moment maybe one that you've you've read recently or one from the past that's had a particularly profound effect on you what would you recommend sure this is when if i give the same book that i gave last time it shows that i've not done any reading <laughs> no there is a um to the point um a second ago about how you respond to different situations there's a very good book called the chimp Par paradox mm -hmm. that talks all about that which talks about your, your kind of chimp response which is your kind of emotional and your your kind of robot response which is your kind of yeah the one that doesn't go quite so well so the chimp paradox uh, would be would be a book that i think everyone should read uh surrounded by idiots is just an incredible book on on personalities and, and different people and i think that that's another one that, that you should all you should all give a read to awesome i will uh I've, I've been recommended the chimp paradox quite a few times i think it needs to i've got a stack of about 10 books that i've ordered in the last two weeks on my desk so i'll get through those first and then yeah my, my amazon's just been going on going fight there are other book purchasing websites available but yes my <laughs> my book pile is just getting bigger and bigger but the chimp paradox is a really really good one yeah i'll check it out well sam it's been a pleasure as always mate thank you very much for joining me and um yeah we'll catch up soon Cheers, Jamie. So that is it for today's episode of Man Down. Thank you so much for tuning in as always. Tune in every Sunday for the next episode of Man Down with our next inspirational guest. If you want to get in touch or if there's anyone that you think should be on the podcast, you can reach out directly on Instagram at jamie.clements underscore or by email on jamie at mandownpod.co.uk.